You're listening to the City Lights Sermon Podcast, where we are equipping you to exalt Jesus and extend the kingdom of heaven right where you are. Thanks for joining us. Well, I'm going to uh, invite everybody to open up the, their Bible to Matthew 22, verse 36. And uh, for those that don't know me, if you're new here, my name is uh, Oliver Wong. And uh, I don't know if you've ever met anybody named Oliver, but probably never met anybody named Oliver Wong together. That's a pretty unique name. Uh, but I'm actually from Hong Kong, if you don't, if, if we've never met, and I can't be president. And so definitely put a ceiling on some of my ambitions for sure. But uh, I love me. It's good me. Feels good. I, I am a little bit cold. I wore my running tights under my jeans because I'm so uh, cold-blooded, and my beard froze up this morning. It was about 11 degrees in my cul-de-sac, but it's good to see you and welcome, and um, so excited just to jump into God's Word. We're in a series called Believe. We're taking a break from that right now just to, again, just kind of set apart the first time we get together to focus on the things that matter most. It's so easy to drift, so easy to sway, so easy to get, easy to get lost um, in all of the other uh, distractions of life, but just to focus on, on what matters most to us. So I'll read these passages, um, first starting in Matthew 22. This is an expert in law, comes to Jesus, says this, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the laws and the prophets. And then Matthew 28, verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Uh, some of you guys know that in early November, um, I took some time off from work to go home to visit my family in Indiana. Uh, we had uh, a death in the family. My cousin Frank suddenly passed away at age 19. He had been suffering with seizures his whole life. No one really knew why. Nobody had diagnosed it as to the cause of it, but he had kind of had seizures um, unpredictably pretty much since he was a teenager, and then all of a sudden, um, suddenly passed in his sleep. And one of the things I, I loved about Frank is that um, I think sometimes those that, you know, have the greatest obstacles and challenges in their life oftentimes receive and inherit some of the greatest character traits um, in life as well. And, and Frank just, he knew what mattered most. He loved people really well. Um, uh, he was just kind of ready to graduate high school. Life was getting started. He was already ready to in, uh, invest in the next generation. He was going to volunteer as a youth worker at his, at his church. Um, I know that he uh, just it meant so much to him. The Shriners Children's Hospital and the nurses that worked there meant so much to him. And so he made sure that when he purchased his first car, he, he gave the extra money, you know, the donation for the license plate to donate to that hospital to give back to what had given so much to him. And I just remember the, uh, the next picture here when we went to go visit him. My, my son Leo at the time was probably six or seven. And I just remember it says a lot about a 17-year-old young man, you know, who's probably thinking about girls and cars and college and all this sort of thing. I just remember we went to go visit him for his graduation party. He just put everything aside to make sure that Leo was comfortable and to make sure that Leo, you know, was loved and welcomed. And, I, and I'll never forget that. And, and his wife, uh, excuse me, his mother, um, Jane, who I love so much, I, I was so appreciative to go back and visit her, Jane, in this picture, I just turned 50, and uh, that's him um, and his mom playing tennis, something they love to do together, but Jane was just a woman for a family, she, she was 
She, if you look at not just her words, but her, her actions, her budget, her time, like she went back to school to be a nurse so she could support her family. In the first two years when Frank started having seizures, she, she stayed with him in his bedroom to make sure that he was safe. I mean, that's the kind of mom, like any other mom that God would have given, that was like the best mom possible that God gave to, to Frank. But life is, life is so short, right? Like when you, when you come to these mile markers in life, life is way shorter than you think and it just happens so fast and it's so unexpected. Um, when things like that happen, life is short and, and, and it means so much. When you, when you gather around to celebrate life with friends and families, birthdays, weddings, funerals, you just realize how fast it goes and the older you get, it seems like it goes faster and faster and faster, but it means so much. You know, when we got together to celebrate Frank's life together, it was so crazy that a lot of the stuff that seemed like it mattered, like five minutes before, like mattered zero, right, from then on. Like the things in, in the house and the car and the other stuff, like, it was funny, I was telling the group earlier this morning, like the thing that mattered the most in that room when we went to go visit his house and look at all this stuff were the pictures, if any of you guys have gone through a loss in the family, like the pictures are so precious. If somebody set the house on fire and we we're all gonna run out, like it was the pictures that we would have saved because the pictures have the memories, the pictures have the people. And there's such a clarity in that moment of like, this is what, what matters most. And the thing that has the most meaning is like friends and family. This guy named Noah, one of Frank's best friends, like we, we found out some of these stories that we had never known about Frank, some of these invisible moments that, got, that Frank had just given to others and loved others so well, and, and, and we were just so blessed by Noah. Noah is like 18 years old, but all of a sudden it just sees this sense of, of purpose around the moment to like drive his sister and all, Frank's sister and all of her friends to McDonald's in the morning and make sure that they're taken care of during the week of the funeral and to school and away from school. Family matters, friends matters, pictures matter. You know, like I, I dropped everything. I, I, I love ministry and Chris and I have been planning for the equipping environment that week, but of course nothing matters in light of that, right? So the distances doesn't matter and you, and you travel back home to what matters most. Matters, what matters most is funny. Like the things that matter most to us, the things that are urgent, oftentimes aren't really the things that are the most significant, the long lasting. A lot of times it's the things we ignore that actually matter the most. It's the things that we have to put our phone down to recognize what matters the most. The things that move slower, that are less exciting, that matters most. And, 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 and those things uh, are not on accident. And, and one of the questions I want to ask us today is we just kind of focus as a congregation, as a family. And, and if you're new here, welcome and thank you for joining us. There's so many places you could be on this cold January morning. I'm so thankful that you're here with us. But the question I want to ask all of us is the simple question. is like, what is your purpose for life. Why are you here? Like the, re the reality is, is that our heart's beating, you know, there's breath in our lungs. We're here, we're alive. And if you believe in any sort of higher being, if you believe in God, like you have to believe like there's a purpose for all this. There's a reason. And here's the scary thing, right? Because if you don't know what your purpose is, you're not going to have a hard time living through life, finding somebody to tell you what your purpose should be. You know what I mean? Like you guys ever have like a family member or a friend, like they just get up so early and they have so many plans and purposes. If you're not careful, like they're gonna tell you what your purpose is. That's my daughter Rose is like, when she wakes up, she doesn't have one plan. She has like six plans and they all have to do with sprinkles and gumdrops and candy and going to uh, Dolly Parton's Dolly World or whatever it is. Like she just has ideas upon ideas. Like we're not in a vacuum of ideas of purpose. And the reality of the scary thing is, is if we don't know what our purpose is, like we are at the mercy of every other purpose under the sun and not all purposes are equal, not all purposes are good. Do you know what your purpose is? Have you decided what it is? Do you know what you wanna be remembered for? Like when, when, we, when we pass out of this earth, and I don't mean to be morbid, I do mean to be helpful today and hopeful today. Like when we pass out of this earth, when we go to that casket, like what are the pictures that our life story will tell when we gather around those pictures? What will the friends say? What will the family say? Like 
What will matter the most about our life? I want us to ask that question now. That's an important question not to ask then. It's an important question to ask now. Like, what, what is your purpose? One of the greatest things that can rob us of our purpose is actually ourself. You ever notice that? Like, like if, if we're not careful, like, our, 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 our eyes and our attention get cast on the what, but we never really focus on the why. And you can definitely, we've all looked back on five and 10 years and realized that like we thought that we had a purpose and if we had a purpose statement, we wrote it down on some iPad and put it away in a dusty shelf or a post-it note somewhere, but like we were being motivated by, by something completely different. You can go five years and 10 years in a lifetime, like just motivated and you never say it, it never comes out of your mouth, but you're completely motivated, maybe even today by things like guilt and regret. Like if you had to think about not what you're doing and where you are, but like why are you doing what you're doing, the, the actual motive of why you're here, like you, you, know, like you might say like so that, so that God can accept me more, so that my parents will approve of me, so that I can get a promotion, so I can do better, so I can live longer, whatever it is, like, like we can rob us, ourselves of our purpose. We're not void of, of, of purposes. The question is, is what is your purpose and what have you decided your purpose to be? So this guy, the teacher of the law, comes to Jesus, and the teacher is an expert of, dis- of discussing purpose. I mean, he's not a materialist. He's discussing, like, what's the true meaning of life? The Jews at that time had, like, 613 laws. They had all the what's. They knew exactly what to do. The question wasn't the what. The question was the why. The question was, what's the meaning of all this? Why, why am I here? What's the point? And so the teacher kind of comes to Jesus with his desperation. You know, there's so many laws. There's so many commands. But Jesus, which one is the most important to you? I've been to the funerals before. I've seen the beginning and the end of life, and I know that life's a vapor and it's short, and I'm never gonna find it out on accident. I gotta ask an authority. I have to know somebody that knows. I've gotta ask the right person. So he comes to Jesus with these questions. Jesus, some people say the most important command is the Sabbath, that rest is the most important thing, and and time and rhythm is the most important thing. And some people are saying, and they're teaching over here on this corner street, and they're saying the most important thing in your life is, is is the sacrifices that you bring, the type of grain, the type of animals. And some people say it's circumcision, and there's all this clamor, and there's there's not a vacuum of, of what we could choose to be our purpose. But what's the most important thing? And Jesus isn't a mystery on this. There's some things hidden in Christ that are mysteries, but some things are are out and open and public for anyone to hear. And this is what he says. Anyone that wants to hear under the sound of my voice, Jesus says, the purpose of your life is to love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength and all of your mind, and to love others as yourself. That's the purpose. And I want to pause right now because it's important to celebrate the fact that God could have chosen any purpose to create this world around, to find its order and meaning. And he chose, out of all the purposes, to make love the purpose of his creation. Love is the center of everything. God is love, it says in 1 John. And Colossians 1 says that nothing has meaning apart from God. God has to be the center of everything that has meaning. And and if you went into 10 different houses, you'd find 10 different fathers, and each father on their own authority could make up their own purpose. There's football families, right? And health families, and intelligence, and, and knowledge families. And you go to the father, and whether they know it or not, or whether they say it or not, and you ask, okay, dad, like, what's the most important thing in life? They'll have an answer to that. And God could have been that. We, didn't, we can't tell God his purpose. He tells us his purpose. And he didn't, we didn't beg him to do that. We couldn't pull his will towards our direction. He was the one on his own, sovereignly and self-determinately to decide what he's about. And he is about love. That's good news. That's a good treasure to find out when you seek the maker of all things, the center of all things, the creator of all things. And you knock on his door and he opens and you ask him the purpose of life. And he says, it's love. 
It's to give your life to others. It's, to, it's by definition to lay your life down for others. You won't find meaning apart from that. All other purposes, you'll get to the end of them. They'll serve you for a while and they'll go bankrupt until you come to that cul-de-sac of Christ and you decide and determine the only thing that matters, the only thing that lasts, the only thing that remains is to love God with all of your heart and all of your mind and all of your strength. But the problem of humanity is not just finding out that love's the point, because there's lots of different faith backgrounds and humanity backgrounds and different philosophies and politics that understand that love's the point. One of the, one of the most important things that we can determine, and, and, and the second thing I want to talk about today, is not just the Great Commandment, but the Great Commission. Because love isn't up for interpretation. Love is defined, and most uh, def- definitively, it's defined by, by Jesus. And so love in itself without Jesus is bankrupt. Love, John Lennon, love, all you need is love. That's not, that's not enough. Love has to look like something. It has to be defined by something. It's measured by something. It's, it was measured by a man. It was measured by the way, the truth, and the life. It was measured by Jesus. And Jesus lived the perfect life, and he, he showed us what love is. And so in, in the second commandment, the, most important, the second most important thing that Jesus ever said, which is Matthew 28, and I read it before, and I'll read it again, is to go and make disciples of all nations. In other words, what? That... That generosity is wonderful, but it's not enough. That wisdom is wonderful, not enough. Counseling is wonderful, not enough. Money and health and, and wealth and these things, they're not bad things. They're all good things, but they lose their purpose unless they are centered in love. And by love, I mean Jesus. Love has a name, and it's Jesus. He's, he's the path to the purpose. So the second most important thing is, is the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and give people Jesus. Give them Jesus. That's, your, that's, that's the purpose of, of life. All other things are lacking in meaning without these two things, the great command and the great commission. So I want to spend the, the, the heart of, of our time today to, to look at some of these purposes. But before I do that, I just want to make a couple of disclaimers. And that is the first one. Uh, some, of us are list, some of us in the room are list makers and we like to make lists, and, and it's great to have lists because lists gives, you know, distinction for plan and future and all these things. But I just want to give a cautionary there that anything that I put up on this screen, and I do believe there's a set of five points that we're going to, like, focus on this year in 2000, for today, at least for looking forward into 2018. There's kind of five things, but what I would never want to do is sort of say these things and have the, the enemy kind of snatch them up and put them at you as though they're a list to get accomplished so that you can have the love of God. The first thing that I want to make sure that we just have established before we move into kind of what I see in these two passages is first and foremost that living out God's purpose will not change your position in him. Nothing I'm about to put up here is going to change how much he loves you. He loves you just as much as you ever will be right now. You have acceptance in him under Christ. And if you have yet to know who Jesus is and you're on a spiritual journey to find him, he loves you so much that he sent his son. And so love is the common denominator, the factor of this room. He loves you and there's no way that you could be more saturated in his love than you are right now. So nothing that, nothing that your feet will step to because of this list will make you any different in his eyes. You're a child in his eyes. You're created in his eyes for, for wonder and glory and, and, and love and, and passion. And none of that changes his thoughts towards you. But the second thing I want to say is this, is that nothing on this list uh, of, of the five things that I want to talk about today is, is, uh, is exclusive to anybody here. In other words... Um, the, the, the purposes that we find in, in, in the great commandment and the great commission, they're for everybody. 
They're for all people of all colors and all races, all ages and all times. And so there isn't like, oh, I don't know if that one's as important as this one and this one's important that one. I think some of these you'll see, you know, you're going to want to say amen to real quick because that's kind of your life thing and, and you're there. The reality is, though, like missing one of these things, and I am convinced about this, missing one of the things is, is almost like the amputation of one of, the, one of your kind of body parts. It's like it's, it, it's not going to quite function in the holistic vision for, for why we're here and what we're created for. So these are some, some things I want us to focus on. And I'll kind of go through these um, one by one. The first thing that we see in the great commandment is that uh, our purpose um, is greatly devastated by the lack of worship of God. Like until we discover that God is the, the utmost of our desires, until we understand he's the only thing that we're searching for, until he's our first and our last and our only, like our life is going to be terminally upside down. No matter what you put in that spot instead of God, like no one will love you. Nothing will give back to you the way that God will. Like, like this year, you know, the funny thing about 2018 is like, we're still the same people. We have like a different calendar month at the top of our thing and a different digit, but at the same time, like we're still the same people. And there's this illusion about new things, right? We love new things and shiny things, momentous things and things that seem like they're moving and going because they're in no way like the old things and I learned my lesson now and I'm a new man and I'm a new woman. I'm gonna be a new person. But what's the reality about all new things? Eventually, all new things go through the test of time and they eventually become old things and they become the same traps and the same problems and the same issues uh, that, the, that the old things once were. But he, here's the reality. Like, we get to the end of that new job and that new girlfriend and that new boyfriend and that new health goal or fitness goal and realize they're just as empty as the last. The only thing that will ever fill us, the only thing that will ever give us a purpose, the only thing that will ever set us on the path, the trajectory of something that's gonna last and be meaningful and what we're made for, like what our heart is beating for, what we're designed, our mind and our thoughts and our emotions, the only way they come into alignment is when we learn to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our strength and all of our mind. It doesn't get any simpler and it doesn't get any easier. And lots of times we like to complicate the things because we realize how difficult that can be at times. It's hard, but it's good. It's hard, but it's good. Worship is hard, but it's good. Number two, number two, our life will not have the correct meaning and purpose and we won't function the way that we're supposed to function until we discover that our life is here to love others. When we find Christ, we recognize that, that he has imminent value. I mean, he made the, the, all this, like the Niagara Falls and, and, and the Grand Canyon and, 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 he, uh, and he made the stars and the moon and the, and, and the seasons as they move around. He like created the cells and the atoms. He created all these things. But the thing that he prized the most, he says, it is very good. The greatest the epitome of his creation is a family to love. And, 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 and we realize these things. And, and, and when we step into Christ and when we have the mind of Christ, a great chasm begins to shift. And all the things that are created and all the things that we own and all the things that we can give away or sell or buy or trade, they all kind of go in this category of rust, rot, and destroy. And then we realize C.S. Lewis was right. The only thing that really matters in this room is souls. People are the only thing that lasts. People are the only thing that remain. And until we understand that our purpose isn't that next project and, and we're, we start to realize kind of the the pattern of life, right? We continue to see that the kind of boat and the new TV and the daggum iPhone 10 or whatever it is that we have, like they get old again, right? 
But the thing that matters is like, it's people. That's the fruit that remains. That's what Jesus says in John 15. It's disciples. It's people. The impact that you make. It's your mom. It's your son. It's your cousin. Are you, what are you allowing to rob you of the value of, 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 of loving people this year? Like what, what, are we, what are we giving our hours and our time and our stress to? Like what, what you know, ta- like the taxes, we're going to allow taxes to stress us out compared to our son, our daughter, our sister, our brother. Are you going to allow unforgiveness this year again to rob you of your greatest treasure, which is people and anger and resentment? You're going to allow that to rob you? Number three, Jesus commands, and he's not opposed to commandments. He gives lots of commandments. He knows that it's great to, 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 to find purpose on your own, and we're autonomous and American, and we like to set our own course, but sometimes God just tells us to do stuff, and then we'll understand why it makes sense as we go. He commands us to be baptized and to baptize others. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward uh, transaction that goes on in our heart between us and God. Here's the reality. like We don't need baptism for God. He's already baptized us. What are we demonstrating? The baptism is, is before him, but ultimately the baptism costs people in other countries to be baptized because it's a horizontal public demonstration. Like we don't get baptized alone. So the purpose of baptism is not just for God and for us, but it's for others. It's saying that I believe, but I also belong to a family. And here's my word to you this morning. If, if you're not part of a church or you're kind of visiting or kind of going around or taking, uh, taking Sundays on or not taking Sundays off or whatever, here's my purpose. Everybody's on a journey. But like, we, we will never fully understand our purpose for our life just with God. We need necessarily others in our life. Like, like your plan, like Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, I have the plans to prosper you and help you and to give you a future. Your plan cannot be fully realized uh, alone because your plan is actually hidden in the lives of others and it takes you getting to know them and, and, and loving them and giving to them and listening to them and being vulnerable with them. You, God has, has, has created all things and there's nothing impossible for him, but he sets limitations on our lives. And one of those limitations is we cannot fulfill who we're supposed to be unless we are one. That's his prayer in John 17, one with his church. There's no such thing as an independent Christian. There's codependence, there's, there's independence, and God says, Paul says it, Jesus prays it, uh, 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 the, entire, the entire New Testament in, in terms of Acts and, and the day of, of Pentecost proves it, is that we will never find and find alignment and purpose without others in our life. Number uh, four. Excuse me, I need to go back to um, number, number three. I actually went to four. That was fellowship being baptized. Number three, go therefore and make disciples. Go therefore and make disciples to, to evangelize. You know, um, Kyra and I, we were having a conversation one time, and I think we were going through a really rough time in life, you know, as, as all of us oftentimes are, and we're just thinking about, man, like, life is hard. Like, look at, look at all these personal things. Look at these political things. Like, look at pestilence and look at sin and look at sex trafficking and look at cancer and look at some of these hard things. You ever just get in this thing, it's like all you can see, you know, is the darkness. And, and we started to ask this question and like, you know, like I think it's on the heart that we, like we'd never dare to say it, but it's sort of like lurking beneath and this question kind of came up like, why aren't we just like in heaven right now? 
And we went back and forth. It was probably like 30 or 45 minutes. Remember we were talking about it? It's like, no, we can worship in heaven. We can do all these other things. And then I finally realized, like, wow, like the, the, the major purpose, like out of these five purposes, you know, all four of them, we exist. We can have those things in heaven. The only one that we don't is this third one right here is to, to preach the gospel. That's the only one that, that's not on that list. Like, so, so that one, like, that one, that, like literally this is what it's saying. How much is it worth to God to, to, have, to have you here? To, to evangelize, to preach the gospel, to spread the good news, to, to preach to the poor, the crippled, the lame, to tell the good news of the gospel that God's alive, that Jesus is alive, he has, that he loves this world, that, that he is not a God of anger or wrath, that he's not angry at humanity, he came to give and not to take, that he's not a cosmic killjoy, that he came to give joy and life and he gives it for free and Jesus and the cross. Like, like why, how much is that worth to him? You know how much it's worth? Like he would rather have you sit here for 30, 40, 50 years with terminal illness, divorce, depression, why would all that matter? Because he'd rather have you here so that somebody might come to know him on this earth than have you just shoot up in the sky and have eternity with him right now. That's the only reason why, that's like the only reason why we're here because we're gonna do these other purposes for eternity, except for the opportunity. The only thing that matters, it's like C.S. Lewis said, I said earlier, is, is souls. Last but not least is the, discipleship is the final purpose, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded, all that I have commanded. Teaching them to obey all, all that I have commanded. You know, it makes sense, right? Like if you didn't have a Bible and if we didn't have Jesus and we were just teachers of the law, kind of like trying to figure out what life was and philosophy was apart, like it, it really doesn't make a lot of sense to the idea of like being like God, right? Like, isn't the whole point, like we talked about worship, is like recognize how good God is? That, that's a good theological idea. Like, he's good. He's better than me. He's, he made this. I didn't make me. He made me. I didn't make him. He made him. So it makes sense, right? This, the, the, the idea of worship is just like to, to put him on display. But, but Jesus comes, and again, love has to look like something. Love isn't just abstract and ethereal. It's not just some good feeling like it was demonstrated with an actual measurement and a time. And he came. And he goes to regular, ordinary men and women like you and I, Marthas and Marys and Peters and Pauls and Johns. And, and one by one, what does it say? He goes and he says these, these words that change all their lives immediately, instantly. He says, hey, come and follow me. Come and follow me. Come and follow me and I'll make you a fisher, a fisher of men. You're going to go. You, you're going to go. You're going to go. Not me. You're going to baptize. You're going to go. You're going to make, you're going to do greater things than me is what he says. Like Jesus, like, like he comes to show like we're not only supposed to be worshiping, but we actually like he has made us, he's created us. We'll never find our purpose if we don't learn to be like him. And there's a huge difference between being a fan of Jesus and being a follower of Jesus. There's a huge difference. And many, many of us, for me, I know that there is, you could like show my, you could like mark off my life. And there is a time when I, when I definitely trusted Jesus for my salvation, looked to him for my help. Jesus is my rescuer. Jesus is my hope, Right? But it's a whole nother thing. Like there are so many people in the Bible and the scriptures that like followed him and they were fed and loved by him. There are so many people that, that, that celebrated him and were fans of Jesus, but there were so few with him at the cross that followed him. There's a huge difference between that and you will, we will never find our purpose until we understand life's not just being about a fan about Jesus or, or putting the bumper sticker on the car or checking the right box or going to the right place. It is a... It is a all-out consecration of like, I don't want to just see Jesus. I want to be like him. Like I want, when my kids look to me, I want them to see what Jesus is like. 
Every time that the disciples were with him and he gave a sermon or he showed something, inevitably it was better than the way that they were doing it. And it is incredibly important. Our purpose will never be defined. It will never be discovered until we understand that our, 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 our nature is to be conformed to his image. It's to be transformed by the renewal of our mind. And that's not on accident. That's on purpose. They had to decide to put down the nets. They had to decide to follow him out on the water. They decide to give everything. They had to decide to be persecuted. They had to decide to make a decision. And I think sometimes we have this idea that kind of like if we just kind of sit with Jesus, that all of a sudden we'll, we'll kind of be like him. But the reality is, is that, you know, you can trust Jesus for salvation without trusting him for your life. You can trust Jesus for what happens after death without giving him your life, your, your, your marriage and your, and your budget and, and your time and, and, and your resources and your attitude and your emotions. That's a, that's a working out your salvation. It's, it's, it's a decision. It's, it's a, and if you don't know, like if you don't know what the plan is, if you don't know what that's going to look like, if you don't know what Jesus looks like, if you don't know what Jesus would look like, as Dallas Willard said, if he were you, then, then there's no reason to expect that tomorrow you're going to be any different than today. There's a transformation that happens first in your mind. It doesn't happen through osmosis. It's an inward, outward transition that has to take place. Jesus, you're Lord of my life. You do it better than me. I remember we were having a conversation actually just on Friday, me and Kyra, and we were talking about just how busy life is. You know, like, you know how sometimes like things just get so busy, especially you have four kids and there's good news club and upward basketball and soccer practice. And we had like 14 or 15 parties between like Christmas and Thanksgiving. And you see these wonderful things, right, that we're, we're giving our life to. And our thing is like Kyra and I has come to this issue of like, you know, like are we just, just kind of, Wishy-washy, we just kind of flimsy? Do we just kind of go with the flow? Like, do we just need to have some good boundaries? Do we need to just, like, say no more, you know? I'm like, I don't know. These things are good, and, 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 and they're not bad. And, like, why would we not give these things? Why don't we say yes to these things? And I remember, um, like, Kyra came to this question. She was asking me, it's like, do we just need to, to, to set up boundaries, like say no to more things? And she had actually sent me this Instagram uh, it was a quote by a guy named Danny Silk. Guy who wrote this book called Keep Your Loving, which is a wonderful, wonderful book. I highly recommend it. That's about boundaries and stuff. And, and one of the quotes that he says to help understand what boundaries is, to understand, in, in other words, like what your yes is and your no is in life, how to make those decisions around what you're going to do, is he says, he says, boundaries are simply just deciding what you're going to do and then telling people what you're going to do. Like, like that's, your, that's your empowerment, that's your decision to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your work, like, nobody can take, ultimately, that authority from you. You can only give it away. That's your decision. You're not a victim. You're not powerless. Like, you can decide what you're going to do. You can decide what you're feeling. You don't have to let anybody else tell you what you're feeling or why you did what you do. That's your defined space, and it's always okay to say, hey, this is what I'm doing. And so what I was talking to Kyra about is I said, the more I think about it, Kyra, I don't feel like we have an issue with boundaries so much as we just we have an issue with, with plans, because here's the thing I said, tonight, we're going to get the small group come over. We have like 20 adults and 10 kids, and we're going to do this waffle party. And I said, there's nothing on earth that I want to do more than this. And if, and if Stephen Curry, my favorite basketball player, called up and said, hey, do you want to go play in one-on-one? It'd be, a hard, it'd be difficult to say no, but I would have said no. And here's the reality, is that, is that purposes, the difference between a purpose and a wish is not very much. A wish is just, I hope that it happens one day. The difference between a purpose and a wish is that the purpose has to have a plan for it to be a purpose. If you don't have a vision, if you don't have a picture, if you don't have a feeling, a postcard, 
a memory, an ideal of what you're going to, I guarantee you your purpose will never manifest into a plan. It will never manifest into, into action. So as long as we have these kind of dusty principles that we have somewhere locked away in our goals stat sheet somewhere else, and there's no like literal like idea of what this is going to mean, like do you have a plan? I highly recommend this. There's a book called Pathways to God that I read um, over this last year, and it talks about nine different personalities and ways that you and I basically connect with God. Did you know you connect with God in different ways? Some of you guys go out in nature. Some of you guys are intellectuals. You read what, you know, some of you guys are are justice oriented. Some of you guys are contemplatives. Whatever that is, like, are you going to be at 2019, like closer to understanding how you connect with God? Are you just going to be kind of coasting in in the hamster wheel the way that it was in 2016 and 15 and 14 and 13? Like, is there a plan? Is Is there a plan for getting into community this year? Like, you're just expecting? I mean, that's the question I'm asking you is like, do you know what your purpose is? But the second question is like, do you have a plan for getting to where God's called you to be? It matters so much. Because the reality is we're not in a vacuum. And if you don't have a plan, somebody will give you a plan. And it won't be your plan. And you won't like it. And you'll just get pushed around and, and, and swayed by your emotions and your internal thing and your external thing. It's like, God has given you a purpose to like give your life to. He hasn't made it a mystery. He, he's giving it to you because he wants you to like come to the fulfillment of why he created you. Colossians 1, like you're gonna find your purpose in him when you put him as center. So I want us to look at all five. We get him on the screen and, and I love this, the way, like the way he takes you places. Like he doesn't just take you places. The Holy Spirit is with you as he goes. Like his, his presence loves his purposes. And his purposes require his presence. Like you can't do these things apart from from the Holy Spirit. And what I love about the way that he does it is that he's not a list taskmaster, slave driver person that just sets the bar and has you jump and ask how high. Like he goes with you. And so the exercise that I would would cause you, call you to have this morning, even as we close, and we're not gonna do musical response. I'm just gonna kind of close in prayer, allow the Holy Spirit to do some work here. But he says to Martha one time when Martha goes and asks about his sister Mary, his sister Mary who's, like work, who's like sitting and listening to Jesus' teaching. And Martha's like working over here in, in the kitchen while they're kind of having this meeting in the living room. And, and Jesus said this really profound thing about the, what it means to listen to teaching, to, to kind of like not just head, hit your head, but get to your heart, which is a long distance sometimes. And this is what he, what she, he says. He says, Martha, here's the thing, like, you have great things. You've got many great things, actually. He says, Martha, like, you have too many things. You're doing too many things. Like, you're thinking about too many things, and, and you're allowing, you're, you're, you're thinking about going towards purpose, but actually you're being motivated towards purpose by guilt. And you're looking at that list, and I think some of us, I know I've done that before, and, and I've not really thought about it in a, in a, in, in a like, kind of conscientious way. I've kind of thought about it before, but, like, I'll start thinking like, oh, I really, yeah, I really got to start evangelizing more. You're right. I got to like, like that, like that trigger that kind of just sort of like shows you what you're not. And I just want to show you like maybe the only thing you need to combat, you know, the enemy against your identity is like, God always sees who you are before who you're not. And he says to Mary this really important thing that goes even beyond just this message and this teaching. And he says it this way, Mary, Martha, you're worried about so many things, but, Mar- but Mary is, is focused on the one thing. If you, if you don't know the Father yet and you're just learning how to hear his voice, I just want to tell you, like, he says one thing at a time. He doesn't give you like 50,000 things and like 
that you're never going to get done. Like, he speaks to you. Like, the, like remember when, when, when the demons spoke, when Jesus calls at him and he says, we do this and we do that. Like, there's this multiplicity that says the Lord God in that great commandment is one. And he speaks as one. There's a Holy Spirit, there's a Son, and there's a Father. And they speak as one, and they speak one thing at a time to you. So the question I was asking, not the five things up there, but I'd ask, not the question, what are you going to do? It's like, what is God already doing in your life right now? Like, out of the things that you see, don't look at it from the kind of what I'm not. Look at it, thank you, God, for just already doing what you want me to do in my life. And so all I have to do is just recognize what you're doing and get into the grace of that direction. And I just get to flow with that. I get to draft off of a bigger a bigger presence than me. I get to kind of rely on somebody's strength as I'm weak in this area. Thank you, God, for just like, you know, like the neighbor next door has been talking to me and I've just been so busy. But the, the power of purpose is that I just get to see, oh, wow, like the thing that was urgent isn't as important as the thing right here. And so he just, he, it's, it's a good news message today that it's not a list of things to go and get done and manifest something that God's already doing. Here's the reality. Anything that he's telling you to do, he's already doing it in your life. The question is, is are you agreeing with it or are you running from it? Where's the Holy Spirit leading? What's he been doing in your life? It's not just like some mystical voice that you're gonna, like he's doing it. Heaven and earth, they agree with the, each other, like in his purposes, and he's already doing, the harvest is plentiful. He's already putting people in your life that are gonna be accountable with you, that, that are community with you. And you know them and you think, oh, I should, I ought, I'm, I'll get around to that. And just like, what if this year we just allowed ourselves to focus on the one thing, to seek the kingdom first, and then watch how all the things that we worry about just sort of fall into place as, as, as we go and follow him in the first place. What's he saying? I want to challenge you to share it with somebody. I want to challenge you to write it down. I want to challenge you to have a picture and know what it smells like and looks like. I want you to picture yourself on the 25-minute commute with the earbuds in. Which earbuds are you going to do? Which translation are you going to listen to? What song are you going to, like, what's, what's your jog going to look like? What's the friend? Who are you going to call? What are the questions you're going to ask? Like, like go with him. Don't just check the box. Like, go with him to a place and to a purpose. I promise you that the that the problems that, that you're thinking about right now and the, and the issues that you're thinking about right now, like you're not gonna remember them in a year, in five years, or 10 years. I'll tell you what you remember is you remember the love of God when you're on your deathbed. You remember the love of people. That's what matters. It's so important. We can't afford to live on accident. People are too precious. They're too important. God is too important. This moment is too important. Man. It's, it's too, life is so precious are, that, that we're sitting in bed and we have to get a reason to get out of bed every morning that we don't have purpose and we live in, in this time, in this age, this great time in history where we have so much more influence and power than we could ever dream of and yet we just give it away to our worries and our guilt and our anxieties and our lusts. He just calls you to this purpose, like to this, to this from Eden type of purpose that you were made for. Let's go ahead and stand and we'll kind of close out this, uh, this time as we look forward. But Father, I just thank you for your purpose in this room. We're, this room is pregnant with your purpose. Like it wants us to align with you more than we want to. And I thank you, Holy Spirit. Your presence is just doing all that ahead of us and we just get to agree. We don't invent the purpose or create it or, or push it into or will it into existence. We just agree with it. We just say, let it be. Like, let that be. We agree with it. And so, Father, I thank you for just a year of alignment where crooked things were made straight, where, where bullies are talked back down to their place, 
emotional bullies, physical people bullies, health issues. Just that the kingdom of God would just align us, God. The kingdom of God in our midst would just align us towards, towards your purpose. And I just thank you right now that you're doing the impossible in our life. We should have been lost. We should have been in the dark. We should have been confused. We should have been hurting and killing and, and taking from each other. But you made what was wrong right. You brought light into darkness and you're not done yet, God. And so we just, we make a decision. Like you give us that freedom to make a decision to choose away and choose in. And I just, I thank you that you're giving back authority where we gave it away. And you're telling us like, you have authority you have authority. I gave you authority. What are you doing with that? What are you doing with your household and those things that I've entrusted, your money and your calendar, your kids, your wife, your spouse? Like, what are you doing with those things? And I thank you that you're just, you're, you're aligning that authority towards, towards your kingship, God, your lordship. Yeah, we just make it all about you. We, we love the light yoke that comes when we follow in your footsteps, God. And we just expect joy and we just give ourselves and others permission to call out counterfeits if we're not living in the righteousness, peace, and joy of Christ in the kingdom of God. We love you, we exalt you in this year till your kingdom come. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Thanks again for joining us. If you have been encouraged or challenged by this message, please let us know by leaving feedback on our iTunes channel. We hope you've enjoyed exalting Jesus with us.